1: An unmatched dual threat.
0: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and we are coming to you on Sunday, August 23rd. After the Cubs salvage a series with the White Sox, it looked pretty dicey there for a while, Brendan, and and the narratives were really ready to explode and, and be punctuated by a Dylan Cease victory at Wrigley Field, but... The arm of Hugh Darvish and the bat of Kyle Schwarber save the series, save us from a third day of some of those narratives, and the Cubs pick up one out of three in this series. It was a frustrating series. We have seen uh, this movie with this offense and this group before, and so we will talk about that and uh, what has gone on here in the last few days. And We will talk about the pitching staff and and anything going on with the bullpen, but I, I can give you a warning that today's episode is going to be pretty heavy on the offense because that appears to be the lead story here for the Cubs, but all told, uh, with some games still going on on Sunday as we are recording this at about 5.30 p.m. uh, The Cubs are in first place. They have a three-game lead over the Cardinals. They have a a five-and-a-half game lead over both the Reds and the Brewers. Uh, The Brewers were just swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are barely a Major League Baseball team, so that should tell you how things are going for the 11 and 15 Milwaukee Brewers, who have lost four in a row. Uh, So, all told, uh, there's only two teams the dodgers and the padres that either have the same amount of wins the padres but more losses or more wins than the cubs the dodgers at 21 uh so it was it was a really bad and not very fun first two games, and the majority uh, before Schwarber's home run of the game on Sunday was equally as frustrating. But all told, uh, despite some issues and things to work out, Cubs are in first place. They have a very high probability of making the playoffs, and in a shortened season, that's really what you're looking to do. Get yourself into the field and try to screw around in, a, in an NL playoff field that's going to have eight teams. So there's worse places to be, Brendan.
1: They still have a playoff percentage chance of 97%. So you can look at the offense now and kind of freak out about in the moment on the game to game basis. And like I do, I know you do, we all do, right? There is contact. You and I don't
0: ever freak out, <laughs> Brendan. We're two of
1: the most calm. <laughs> we are always, always calm. But there, there is. In our minds, we have to look at like the end of September, what this offense will look like towards the end of September. And there are signs like in the last week or two, and we'll get into it, that kind of make you question some of the things you saw in the first three weeks or projectable, if you will. So we'll get into it. But just like in, in, in our minds, in our discussion, as context, as a preface, they're 17 and 10. They have right. a 97% chance of making the playoffs, and everything we say is geared towards right now the assumption that they're not going to fall off the cliff, and they're going to be in that three-game playoff set in about seven to eight weeks.
0: Yeah, I think this is very much going to be a multiple-things-can-be-true-at-once type situation, right? Like the The, the offense clearly is not in a good place right now and and may continue to not be in a good place given what we're learning or or what we're sort of piecing together about chris bryant but the team is in first place again like you said brendan unless there is just some sort of major collapse they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to have a shot and as we saw on sunday you can ride you darvish to a lot of victories right and so the the goal here is get in and try to mess around in a large playoff field problems no problems we can address it all but multiple things can be true and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of other teams in major league baseball and certainly in the national league uh, that are in a much worse spot uh, than the cubs who find themselves in a good spot so we'll talk about it but yes it is important to keep the context before I go into uh, a brief recap. It'll be brief because I'm assuming, uh, unless you are a White Sox fan that has meandered to the a podcast literally called the Cubs Related Podcast. I'm assuming you don't want to hear me recap uh, those first two games. I would tell you uh, pretty much all you need to know is just the words Jose Abreu should pretty much cover those first two games. Uh, So that's pretty much what that is. Uh, But the first thing we have to talk about is the Chris Bryant situation. Mm. So, We all know that when he made that diving catch in the outfield, the camera cut to him, he was wincing, he was clearly feeling something. Came up later in the game and immediately hit a home run, so we were all kind of like, oh, okay, maybe he feels fine. But then he exited that game early, and it has been uh, a confusing thing to piece together, right? Because he wasn't put on the I.L., they've said he was out there trying to take some swings, hoping to get back out there, and then over the course of this weekend, they do put him on the IL and so what Jordan Bastian said earlier today when they talked to Chris Bryant is quote Bryant says his wrist didn't feel right in the on-deck circle back on August 12th but then he hit the home run in Cleveland and that ignited a mental battle of not feeling right but having a great result while playing through it Uh, so this is something where you know now he is on the IL uh, and the sound of the injury isn't great. He's he's clearly still in pain. I think David Ross said he was maybe swinging at fifty percent. Uh, they'd hope whenever they can get him back, he would start back at South Bend. But they don't even have a timetable on this now. Uh, so really, like you know, we don't always get every single detail on the injury. Uh, you know, Brendan and I were not uh, sent the X-rays, despite our, our many attempts to you know get the most up to date uh, injury information, but basically, he's out and we don't really know when he's going to be back. Um, mm-hmm. So the the biggest problem here is when we talk about Chris Bryant all the time, I mean, it's the same discussion every time. Brendan and I say, if he's right, if he's healthy, he's going to be great. We're not worried about him. Unfortunately, he's not healthy right now. And we have seen how these injuries affect him. Uh, and maybe they affect him more than other players, but that's just the reality. Human beings get hurt, they they have injuries, and it affects your performance in a a sport and in a profession where you need your body uh, to do the job. So one thing that is, you know, very frustrating about this, uh, you know, from the Cubs' perspective is you don't really have a timetable on this, and it's a short season. So at this point, you know, I, I don't know anything that you guys don't know. I have no idea how the timetable on this, but with, you know, only a, a around 30 games left and in a short season, you know, you do have to start asking yourself, is it reasonable to expect that at some point the Cubs are going to get a Chris Bryant that is capable of carrying this offense back in their lineup, right? And, and right now the answer is you just don't know because you don't know when he's even going to be healthy. And you don't know if this injury is going to linger at all and, you know, nag on his performance. So it's obviously not a good spot, Brendan. This is a a guy that has been one of the the best hitters in the league since he came up. Uh, You guys all know this. He won a Rookie of the Year award. He's been a multi-time All-Star. He's uh, won an MVP. And right now, you just don't know when you're going to get him back at all, let alone at full strength. So that is obviously not a good place to be. It
1: it, it sucks, dude. Like, whenever I hear about finger issues or wrist issues for hitters, it it scares the hell out of me. Because by nature, these injuries are, are volatile. They're, to a degree, like, unpredictable. And at least for my limited knowledge sometimes it's hard really difficult to pick up for example like like hairline fractures or something and i'm not saying that's what chris bryant has and that's why he's on the il but the fact that he got a shot which we assume is a cortisone shot to reduce inflammation so that he can feel better and go play he got the shot earlier in the week by friday that was his intended date to get back on the field if he were better did not happen. So he swung a fungo bat, felt some pinching pains on Friday, to the injured list. So the Cubs thought earlier in the week that if you give him the shot, maybe he'll feel better and back to his normal self within five days. That didn't happen. That scares me. That's just that should scare really any 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 fan at this point. And it's it's not to come off as being like you know negative or whatever, but the, these are the realities of the situation. You have a season now that in five weeks, the playoffs are going to be more or less set. And it's hard in my mind to expect that Bryant is going to be part of this discussion. Like Again, this is this is not to be super negative, but you have five weeks, you have a wrist injury, you have a finger yeah. injury. These are volatile injuries. And as Theo has said in years past, at the trade deadline, you have to make some unfortunate assumptions. Like You can't expect that someone is going to be fully healthy in five weeks to contribute. So what does that mean? Do the Cubs have to go out and get another bat outside the organization? Maybe if they can, that, that, that's great. And really, Corey, maybe in three, four weeks, Bryant will be healthy and he will be fine. And all he truly needs is more time off. We just don't know. And that's, that's the right. unsettling part about this, is that you're you're operating under the preface of uncertainty. And I hate that. That's the one, like, I'd rather have an injury that I know what the timeline is, that I know in six weeks, if he passes this threshold, boom, he's good to go. It's these injuries to the hand, finger, wrist. I hate them. And it sucks, and it's right. unfortunate for the Cubs.
0: Yeah, and so Bryant saying, quote, Uh, The hardest part is to balance the mental side of getting through pain, of injury, especially with games running out. You've just got to accept it for what it is and take the time to get better. But yeah, it's very frustrating to continue to look at the schedule and realize that, hey man... We're running out of time oh. here. So uh, again, this—it's it's just what it is, and that's what they have to do. They have to take the time and see if it can get better, and see if he can get back out there, uh, pain-free, concern-free, whatever. But we—we uh, we, we start with this uh, because you know, uh, despite there are a lot of fans for whatever reason that don't appreciate Chris Bryant's value. Uh, We've—if you listen to this podcast, we've certainly tried our best to change anyone's mind on that, uh, but this is a big deal. I mean, like, I, I I really feel weird that we have to clarify, and I and I think those of you that listen to us aren't necessarily amongst this group, uh, but Chris Bryant is really good. When he's healthy, he is a, a top hitter in baseball, and that is now removed from the Cubs lineup for uh, an unknown amount of time, so that is not good. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't think that requires much further clarification. But we'll talk about that a, a little bit more when we get to the whole offense outside of just a brief recap. Just want to touch on a couple things to set the table here for these games. Uh, the Cubs losing ten to one on Friday. Uh, this was not a good start for John Lester. Uh, and I, I think if you if you've listened to this podcast, I, I feel like Brendan and I have been pretty clear and honest, and for the most part right on with John and and everything that goes on with him. Uh, This was a terrible matchup for him, and he needed to have his command be at its best. And from a visual perspective, uh, from someone that enjoys watching John Lester a lot, I would say that his command was at his worst in this game, which was just an awful recipe, right? The White Sox have a loaded right-handed lineup that hits absolute piss rockets all over the ballpark. And you've got a guy in John, who's obviously dealing with diminished velocity and he wasn't hitting his spots. Go watch that Luis Robert home run. That's all you needed to see for the summary of this game. You you cannot make that mistake, and John knows this, but you can't make that mistake to these guys because they kill mistakes and when they get the barrel on them, they're going to go very, very far. That's just how this White Sox lineup is built. Um, so, But I think we've been very clear about the expectations, with John and you know what the deal with him is, we've said for you know really like probably over a year now that the 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 deal with John at this point in his career is he's going to give you those quality starts for several in a row, and he's going to be able to put together strings of three or four games or whatever it is where he has a ERA that sits around one, and then he's going to have these clunkers. This isn't news. I don't think we learned anything new. I guess is what I'm saying about John in this game on Friday. It was a bad matchup. He didn't have the command and he got killed, which has happened to him, you know, a handful of times over this, these last couple of years. And that's just where he is, but where he is, is he's 36 in the <laughs> final year of his contract and he gave you a really strong stretch of starts and that's what he's going to do he's not going to deliver games like he did on friday every time but you 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 you're you're doing yourself a disservice if you're freaking out every time it happens it it's it's going to happen right? With, with where he is and where the stuff is when he doesn't have the command. So, uh, I expect, you know, soon enough, we'll see another run of a few starts where he's really, really solid and picking up W's for this team. And we'll probably see more, you know, uh, another clunker or two down the road. It's, it's just, you know, where things are, uh, with him in his career. And you just have to keep realistic expectations. Uh, And that's just really what I have to say about that. I I hate watching him struggle like that. There's nothing I hate more than watching him struggle like that and and watching him get uh, just tanked around the ballpark like that. But it, it just isn't helping anybody to you know pretend like something crazy happened on Friday because it really didn't. And he's still going to be uh, really good in a lot of these starts going forward here. So uh, that was the deal on Friday. On Saturday, uh, it was a similar story. Uh, the White Sox just pounding home runs. Uh, Kyle Hendricks was okay in this one, not his best start. Uh, You know, again, he also is similar similar to Lester in, in different ways, but when you've got that velo that's, you know, sitting only around 90 miles an hour, you, you can't make mistakes to guys like Luis Robert because they're they're just going to pummel the ball, and, and that's what happened to gave the White Sox an early lead in this one. Hendricks goes five and a third, seven hits, three earned, one walk, and three strikeouts. Uh, Rowan Wick giving up his first home run here later in this game. Underwood giving up uh, a couple runs in this one, two home runs against Underwood. So just another mess of a game on Saturday watching the White Sox hit Uh, just missile after missile. Uh, Again, Jose Abreu really the story here. And then on Sunday, the one game that, uh, you know, perhaps is worth really recapping, it was Udarvish, once again, who is just out of control with how good he is. He picks up his National League leading fifth win of the season. His ERA is down to 1.70. He goes seven innings, allowing six hits, one earned, one walk, and 10 strikeouts at this one. If you look at pretty much any category in the National League uh, or baseball for pitchers, Yu Darvish is somewhere near the top. He is now second in war to only Cleveland's Shane Bieber. Uh, so right now, Yu Darvish is certainly one of, if not the frontrunners for the National League Cy Young. That is how good he has been. Uh, and this was a really hot offense, Brendan, that that was coming in. The White Sox had won seven in a row coming into this. They, I believe, had tied uh, a Major League record for home runs in, in a certain span, and Darvish was all over them uh, today. So really really good from you darvish uh the cubs eventually getting to dylan cease uh who gives up two over six innings uh he was really close to making those narratives explode man because uh, he he was good uh up until that schwarber home run but schwarber did get him and that was the big blow of the game the cubs winning two to one to finish it out on sunday uh okay so we'll get into everything else but we got to start with the offense right there's there's nowhere else to start um They score one run on Friday. They pick up four on Saturday, uh, but two of those in the eighth and ninth, uh, you know, when the game was seven to two. So, you know, how exciting that is, I don't know. And they squandered many an opportunity on Sunday. Uh, once with the bases loaded and no outs. They were running themselves into outs. They're striking out. They're grounding into inning ending and rally killing double plays. And mercifully, thankfully, Schwarber hit the home run to salvage this game and this series. Uh, but, Brendan, like, and, and, and you pick this up if you are on social media and, you know, especially Cubs Twitter. This is not a, a film that we have not seen before with this group Uh, and obviously certain parts of the group change certain performances change in 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 different directions but not being able to come through with runners in scoring position striking out in big spots uh, double plays in big spots when they load the bases with no outs and everybody thinking well how are they going to screw this up and then they do Um, you know not scoring runs off of bad pitchers that other teams had had major success off of I'm looking at you Reynaldo Lopez and Gio Gonzalez, right? Like this is not new for this group, and you have every right to be frustrated. I am very frustrated, uh, but I, I wish I had an answer for you because if I did, I would have given it to you two years ago, one year ago, right? Like we, we if you go back and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, the conversation we're about to have, some of the parts are going to be different, but. The the basic outline is is something that we've done before because we we've just seen this with this offense time and time again it it doesn't make it doesn't mean that they're bad on the whole like the 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 fact that they went thirteen and three to begin this season doesn't get wiped away because they have a stretch where the offense looks completely anemic but it it's very frustrating and I I, I wish I had an answer as to why you know, it so repeatedly seems to happen that several of these guys just go completely dead all at the same time, right? So I don't know really where you want to start with the offense, Brendan, but either way, I I think the lead is, you know, what is going on with this offense, and before I throw it over to you, what I want to point out is when we were doing the season preview and when we were leading up to— this season and and giving our predictions and and what we thought about this team. One of the things that we really harped on was we thought that a 60-game season, as opposed to a normal season, would benefit this team because it's a short sprint, and the Cubs' top-level talent is on par with almost anyone, right? And you throw that top-level talent out, you get even just regular performances from those big guys in the lineup you let it run for 60 games this team should be golden right and that has not happened so that is the lead. And and I said this on the last episode that we can look at all of the little issues, right? We can talk about runners and scoring. We can talk about strikeouts. We can talk about, you know, not coming through with, with big rallies in, in certain spots or, or some of these other, like, little things. But the the beginning and ending of the discussion with the offense, to me— lies with this. When KB exited, he exited with a 65 WRC plus. Again, for context, 100 is league average. This is weighted runs created plus. Javi, even after uh, he had a double in Sunday's game, which was a leadoff double and he scored on the Schwarber home run, so it was a very impactful double, he's at a 60. Kyle Schwarber with the home run is at 114, so above average but not majorly above average. Wilson, now with this recent stretch, is now below average despite a good start for him. He's at 98. Rizzo is at 120. That's good. And Rizzo has been very good. And his plate discipline and his ability to get on base has been excellent in this season. So I don't throw him in there to act like his season has been bad because it has not. But He's had several seasons. I think at least four, where his WRC plus has been 140 or above. Sometimes even over 150. Right. So it's all just to say that not only do you have right now three of those guys below average. Chris Bryant is not even playing at this point, uh, and Javi, him and Javi were way below average. uh, But you don't have anyone other than Ian Hap performing at that like, you know, top 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 star elite-level offensive value. So when we looked at this season, we were putting all our chips right on the top-level talent because in past years, the depth of this team was getting exposed and was was really challenging the rest of the offense. Well, now, at least so far, the depth has been doing a lot of the work, right? And the stars have not been doing the lifting that you need them to. And, and again, really, the, the issue is Javi, KB, and now Wilson, who's sub league average as far as offense. Schwarber and Rizzo have been good uh, on the whole, but again, you don't have anybody other than Happ really, like, carrying and, like, playing at that, like, star level, you know, completely right now. So that's where the offensive discussion starts with me because you you just need those guys to produce. Not only do you need them to produce, but you need three of them to not be performing at below league average levels, Brendan. That's just not how we mapped all this out. That's just not how we envisioned this team being successful. So there's a lot of ways to look at it, but, but that's where it starts with me. When you have KB and Javi performing at such Poor levels. I think coming into this weekend, Javi was a bottom five hitter in baseball, which is insane to even say. But, you know, we're near halfway through this season, and that's where those numbers are. So you want to talk about the offense? That's where we have to start.
1: I'm going to start a little bit more broad based and generalized, and then I want to go straight to Javi. Okay. But I want to ask two questions. Just play the game with me. First question If I were to tell you that the Cubs this season, have seen the most pitches per plate appearance. Would you be surprised?
0: No, because I know they were doing that for a right. little while. Okay. I would be surprised if I only watched this last week, okay. though. They still have the highest pitch per plate,
1: uh, per plate appearance. We'll see if this is updated, but this is as recent as this morning. So they have that going for them. And even, Corey, even in the last week to two weeks, they're outside-the-zone swing rate, it's still where it was during the first two weeks of the season so that means they're still laying off bad pitches right the second question i'm going to ask you and just play the game with me if i were to say that the cubs have the lowest balls put into play per total strike in the league would you be surprised no you would not be surprised so that 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 is where we are we have on one end the team is not swinging at bad pitches but on the other end they're not swinging and putting balls into play on strikes. So it's this uber-conservative approach mm-hmm. that we're seeing. And I think that's where it lines up, too, with not getting the base hits in high-lever spots, not getting the base hits when the, with the bases loaded and no outs. And when you combine this uber-selective approach with a team that is inherently going to swing and miss... This is what you may leave your team susceptible to these weird stretches. And the Cubs make no doubt about it. They have a contact issue. They always have since 2016. They're going to outslug you, but they're also going to out K you. And last year, they had the second worst contact rating in the league, only next to the Tigers. This year, same exact thing. They have the second worst contact rating in the league, second to the Tigers. So th- this, this is where we are. This is a team-wide issue that's plagued the team for four or five years now. And by plague, we want to be a little bit careful because th- this is still an issue and it was still an issue in 2016 when they won the World Series. They just hit so many home runs. They had Dexter Fowler. They had Ben Zobrist, two guys who were not as susceptible to some of the numbers we're seeing today. So this this is where we are. When you throw in someone like Nico Horner, maybe higher in the lineup, maybe you can kind of break apart these homogenous plate approaches, if you will. And maybe with Ian Happ performing well and seeing pitches and he's making more contact, maybe that in the long term will shift some of these numbers around, especially if Javi can get back to normal and especially if Chris Bryant gets back to normal after his injury. But th- this is really the crux of the issue is... They're still grindy plate appearances. I still want to put that out there. They still are seeing pitches. They still are laying off mostly bad pitches. But within the last two weeks, that has contributed to some of this super selectiveness, and they're not putting the ball in play. For a team to have the worst ball in play percentage per strike tells you everything you need, and to me, it, it, it passes and agrees with my eye
0: test over the last two weeks in the early going was that grinding approach and how many pitches they were forcing a lot of the the opposing starters to throw and how early they were getting into those bullpens and you know this weekend against the White Sox you you just didn't see that same level of success and I think it particularly disappointing in those last two games um you know, you, you have someone in Cease who we know, I mean, he was in the Cubs organization, but, you know, even the book on him has long been that he, his command isn't good. You you can, he's very susceptible to the walk despite having really good stuff. You know, the Cubs walk three times, uh, and they see 103 pitches over six innings, but in the early going, you know, Cease was very efficient in this game, and the Cubs really were not forcing him to—you know, they, they really w- weren't as accepting of some of the, the bad stuff as I was hoping they would be against Cease, even though eventually they do get to them. And I, I really don't know what to say about this group uh, and facing guys like they did on Saturday. I, I am so tired of this, Brendan. I, <laughs> I wish I had the answer for this, and I really don't. But the fact that this group puts up two runs— and two hits in seven innings off of Reynaldo Lopez and Gio Gonzalez. I I can't handle it anymore. It has been a thing with this team for years that when a guy—like, we joke about it before the game, right? Like, oh, this guy has a a seven-and-a-half ERA, so the Cubs are going to get no hit. And how many times does it really look like that? And and you just wonder, like— other teams go up and pound these guys, right? Like, I think Lopez didn't make it out of the first inning the last time he had started, and that was weeks ago. And he comes out, it's only three and a third, but they get one hit, they walk twice, and they strike out four times. And then here comes Gio Gonzalez, who's been carving them up for years with his junk, right like and he lowers his ERA to 5.11 against the Cubs who get one hit off of him i i i just can't handle their weak performances against guys that everybody else seems to kill and and like we could think of other names that that fit this category but it is so frustrating to keep watching this. Um, yeah. I don't have an answer for it. I, I really don't. It just seems to be something with this group where they, th- there's like a lights out period for every season where it just seems like the entire lineup is just not there and it's just not going to happen. And I, I I wish I had the answer for you, um, but you know, really, like again, what it what it looks at to me is you're you're just not getting those performances from the guys that you need those performances, and you know, I read those WRC plus numbers, um, but even just looking at like OPS, you know, which is you know maybe a more traditional stat. Uh, for a lot of people, like Hap is over a thousand. Hap has been great. I think we've highlighted that enough. I think you guys know that. But coming out of Sunday, Rizzo's at seven eighty. Baez is at six hundred. Schwaber's at seven ninety one. Contreras is at seven eleven. Right? Like the, the it's just not going to get it done. You know that's the harder order. And you, you just don't have these guys playing at, at at the level that you need them to. So it's it's a weird spot. Going back to the way we started this show, it's a weird spot to be in because they're seventeen and ten. Uh, they're in first place. They're certainly playing better than anybody in their own division, which is you know the primary concern. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's just a very frustrating weekend. I, I I wish you know this is just unfortunately like a symptom of this group. I guess at this point, I mean we've seen it enough that. I I don't really have an answer, and I don't think we should really be reacting super shocked when something like this happens. Um, but you'd you'd really like to see some of these guys break out. It was nice to see Javi get that double, um, you know, because his stuff has been really weird, and maybe you want to transition to that now. Uh, But this was a a very uninspiring weekend. And really, again, like Schwarber really saved this weekend and and the overall discussion, I think, for this offense, Uh, because the way that they were squandering runs on Sunday, you know, uh the the contact play at home, which is, you know, the play that they had set up but still running into and out at home. Then Wilson uh, you know, in in this one getting thrown out at second when they had runners on first and third with two outs, uh not being able to score with the bases loaded and no outs, like it it's 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 very, very frustrating. Uh and, you know, something they just they, they need to be better at. I mean that's the simple truth. They they just cannot perform like this uh, on such a consistent basis, but it's something that we've seen time and time again, Brennan,
1: Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, nflsundayticket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit nflsundayticket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Somebody say playoffs. The NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket context with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of those returns of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all today, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. online, your online sportsbooks experts. Okay. And to your last point about just like, you know, Wilson and, you know, the other guys just not coming through in the clutch, like this, this is... This is their style of play. They're they're like when we look at just runners in scoring position and a batting average in in that context. I forgot who it was. It may have been Matt Clapp on Twitter. I want to give credit to whoever it was, I just can't remember it. But they pointed out the Cubs batting average in runners in scoring position situations, it's no different than even in 2016. This is just this is their profile, man. They're gonna miss a lot of pitches. This is how they're built. This is what Theo and the front office wanted to construct. Eight years ago, and this this is what we're seeing. You're going to get in some instances where, for whatever reason, on that day, with that pitcher, they're going to be missing bats, and that's just the nature of it. But to Javi, let's talk about Javi, because he is really now the key and the glue to that middle of the order with Chris Bryant out for however long he's going to be out for. Javi has two things going on. The first thing is he is not swinging at bad pitches as much as he used to. Okay, He's swinging at bad pitches, going into Sunday's game at a 32% clip. His career average is almost 45%. That's a huge decrease. It just is. And a lot of those decreased swings are against high fastballs. The problem, though, and it goes to the point that we just talked about with the general issue with this team, is despite him laying off bad pitches he's not hitting the pitches that are inside the strike zone, especially those high fastballs. So he's laying off high fastballs, but when he used to make contact against those high fastballs throughout his career and even as recent as last year, he's hitting those high fastballs at exit velocities around 90 plus miles per hour. That's above league average. That means he's hitting high fastballs for extra base hits. This year though, He's not swinging at those pitches, and when he does make contact, that exit velo is around 70 to 80 miles per hour. That is a huge drop-off, and that explains why we're not seeing the base hits. It explains maybe why the Cubs' intention to lay off bad pitches may need to be readjusted because what we're seeing with Javi is that he's inside this super small zone. He's being selective. But Javi's not like that. Javi's a free swinger. We've always known that. And if his approach is to be super selective and the consequence for that is he's not going to hit high fastballs, then maybe he needs to get back into what he used to be doing. Maybe for him, this super selective approach may not be right for Javi. Maybe Javi needs to just accept that he's not going to walk. He's going to walk around a 4% clip, but he's going to hit a lot of extra base hits and a lot of home runs. And that just may be what he has to go back to do. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe his issues, his struggling uh, against high fastballs is is completely separate from his overall approach. But when I look at the data and I try to figure out what's going on and try to, at least in my mind, put pieces to the puzzles, to me, it makes sense that he's not hitting high fastballs because he's laying off those pitches at career best rates and not just like a 5% rate we're talking like literally 40% decrease in swinging a high fastball
0: so I look I'm 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 here for all that I I don't really have a good read on what's going on with him it was really nice to see him get that double uh on Sunday you know just going up there and attacking on a pitch like that um and I I I just don't know, man. Um, I, you know, we've seen Javi in different phases of his career, obviously. I mean, he's he's one of the players who uh, tends to have some of the more drastic streaks, either in the positive or the negative element. And he's certainly evolved, uh, obviously, as a player since he came up and, and, and since he was a prospect. But, you know, just some of these at bats feel like as bad as we've seen him. Um, And one thing that I just hate was hearing his quotes from the game last night. Um, And hate meaning that I, I hate when he's sad. Like this, you know what I mean, and and Javi after the game on Saturday, just saying like I'm not trying to suck, I'm not trying to be this bad, I, I'm tr- I'm trying my best, and and you know like this is so hard for it's hard for anybody to struggle but we just know the the passion with which Javi plays the game I mean this is a guy who has the Major League Baseball logo tattooed on his neck uh, so his his life is, is baseball the passion is baseball we've talked about you know his family's connection uh, to baseball and you know how often he's thinking of his late sister when he's playing out there and so you just think of how hard struggling like this is is hitting him and it and I I just hate it I I hate the idea of Javi Baez feeling sad or or feeling like he's letting people down. I mean I stuff hate like even talking know... about this
1: that that's the thing is like I don't want to come yeah, on I, here. I hate it. I hate it and and sometimes when we talk about these issues, it gets interpreted as we're like bagging on these guys. Like I and I hate that. I always hate talking yeah. about issues that are real and you know the players and David Ross will tell you they're real as well we want these guys to succeed so
0: badly. Like I'm rooting for these guys to succeed. And it sucks that we have to talk about this. Well, and we're digging into this because Javi is so good and we legitimately cannot understand what is happening. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, yeah, never in a million years, if you told me almost halfway through the season, Javi would have bottom 10 offensive numbers. That's not that's not we're, we're not here to to you know, drag him for those numbers. We're trying to figure out what's going on, because that does not line up with anything like that. I I can't even fathom how this is happening. You know, guys slump and these things happen. But we just know Javi is better than this. He's so much better than this. He's an otherworldly player at times. And so we're we're just trying to figure out what is going on here. I will say though, like Jordan, like Jordan Bash in pointing this out, And maybe,
1: maybe provides context to even like our interpretations. And it is, it is something to consider. Okay. In 25 games in 2018, when he was the front runner for most of the season for the MVP race until Christian Yelich took off in September, Javi in 25 games during that stretch posted a 252 on base percentage with 26 strikeouts and no walks at all. So they've played almost 25 games this year and we're seeing pretty bad numbers. But this is not something that's completely new. And in these small sample sizes that we're seeing, it's possible a player like Javi goes through these ruts. And right now, it's the first part of the season. So we always interpret it maybe a little bit more severely than normal if it happened like 25 games during a regular season. But I will say there, there are two sides to this. You can still accept that this could just be a 25 game sample, but Javi struggling for reasons that we don't know why. Like these, this is a different way to struggle. This is not Javi like wailing outside the box. This is Javi missing his pitches with a super unorthodox, patient approach relative to what we've seen in the past.
0: Yeah. Well, so there was, I, I think it was against Reynaldo on Saturday. I, I apologize if I have this wrong, but I, I, I do think it was against Reynaldo that I think was fairly emblematic of exactly what's happening here, where I think he might have chased uh, at least one pitch, you know, a, a breaking ball out of the zone. And then he just watched, uh, you know, not mid-90s fastball go down the middle of the plate yeah. and didn't even offer at it. Right. And, I, and I think that was really... Uh, you know, kind of one of those, like really one of those moments where you just go, man, like what is, what is happening right now? Like, is he, is he in his own head? Is is it something with his approach? Like, you know, because he just, he wasn't, he just wasn't there on it. It it was, it was a very hittable fastball in a mistake zone for Javi Baez. And he just looked at it for a called strike three. And, you know, that's just one of those things you look at and go like, I'm not sure, what exactly is happening here, but, like, something's just off, because this is a pitch that he should send to the moon, and the fact that he's not even offering at it, just, you know, you you just think, like, maybe there's too many gears turning in his head, or he's just not right, like, something, you know, overthinking things, who knows, right? Um, But that one, that was, like, one of those plate appearances where you're like, okay, like, I think this is we're We're like clearly looking that like something is just off here because he just wasn't even he wasn't even on this this fastball that was just right over the plate um I think it was Lopez I apologize if it if it wasn't, but there was just definitely an at bat where it was like this is really strange um and like visually i'm I'm not really sure what's happening here, but again, like just to sort of wrap up the the offensive discussion um I, I think those are the main issues, right? Like, we know, and we've talked about this a thousand times, and, and you mentioned this earlier, Brendan, like, this is just sort of how this group is constructed, right? Like, there there are guys who are prone to slumps. There are guys who are prone to, you know, their K rates rising at times and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes this is what it looks like. I, I, I don't have a better answer readily available for you. I, I, I do think... You know, uh, we talked about it on the last episode. You know, I I do think that, you know, despite the double on Sunday, I I, I know that, you know, some other guys aren't performing. I I think you have to at least think about moving Javi until he gets going more from that three spot, Um, especially with the way that Rizzo has been able to get on base. You got to have somebody that's hitting directly behind him and, and I think that that's just it, it. it's really hurting this offense and it's really putting a lot of pressure on everybody and and again the, this is not to dial in on Javi or anything like that but like the, 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 look it's plain and simple right and you saw this in 2018 you need like at times Javi we need Javi to carry this offense it's a huge burden to put on someone but that's what Javi's capable of and un, you know unfortunately at times that's what this team needs and so it, it's all just to say, like, again, we, we can talk about some of the little things and, like, it's so frustrating when they can't come through in big spots or, you know, they just seem to have the worst plate appearances <laughs> at the worst times, right, sometimes. But when you're getting that level of production from Baez, when you were getting that level of production from KB, and now you don't even know if or when he's going to be back and what that's even going to look like if he were to make it back. Um, you know, and now Wilson has struggled and has himself uh, with a below average WRC plus number. Like that's that's where it is for me. Uh, you know, even if you had those guys performing at league average numbers uh, or a little better, like for this whole season, I, I think this whole thing would look very different. This whole conversation would sound a little different. But this is a team that needs the stars to perform the depth has done an extremely admirable job to this point Jason Kipnis Victor Caratini Jason Hayward and stretches of these games Nico at times even though his overall numbers don't look very good uh, at this point like some of these guys have really stepped it up and played a big role and 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 contributed in in very significant ways but at the end of the day like even if it's a, a short season this team is built they need their stars to perform like, and and it's not to always compare it to some of these other teams, but like the Yankees and the Dodgers, the Yankees are being ravaged by injuries right now. So they're in a little different spot, but generally both of those teams, like if Aaron judge is slumping, if Mookie Betts is slumping, those teams have other guys who, who have performed at star levels. They're not necessarily as worried about it. Like the Cubs need, their, they are not built the same way. They need these stars to perform at those levels or this is what it's going to look like and i i don't have a, a good solution to prevent that um but i'll just end before we get to the pitching by saying i, I really wish that, <laughs> i really hate when they can't hit guys like ronaldo lopez that that's my main thing it drives me absolutely nuts and like the amount of tweets i i know uh, that I saw one from friend of the podcast Jeff Everson where he said before like Geo was warming up and he joked you know we better get some runs now because Geo's about to come in and no hit them for six innings and it was only three and two-thirds I think but they didn't do anything off of him and it's just so frustrating that you know in advance this junk baller, this this trash is coming out of the White Sox bullpen and the game is over basically and then you just watch it play out in real time it's so frustrating and I could really live without it in my life, Brendan. Like, if they were only—if they were getting dominated by Sonny Gray and, you know, guys like that every time, like, fine. I don't care. You know, you can live with it, right? But the frequency with which just bad pitchers and guys whose last outing, they lasted, you know, three innings and gave up seven runs, and then here come the Cubs, you know, just doing nothing. It's, I, it's very, very old uh and even just in the last week even with that Cardinals series like we've just seen way too much like flirting with you know sometimes it's only been three four innings but just like where the Cubs have no hits they've got no base runners you know what I mean like the guy's just rolling along in the early portion of the game I don't know hopefully they snap out of it Uh, you've got a a different portion of the schedule coming up here and hopefully they can turn it around and you know hopefully someone like Wilson can get going Javi can get going uh, Rizzo and Schwarber can continue to kind of be their productive selves maybe increase that a little bit Um, but you know you really need those guys to get going uh, in the middle of that order that's that's really where it begins and ends for me so moving on to the pitching we could talk about like just to wrap that up we could talk about the offense for hours like we we just aren't going to drop a four-hour episode of brendan and i you know dissecting and freaking out about the offense um but that's we we could talk about it for like a year so uh, and we actually have talked about it for a year, for a year more than that <laughs> yeah for, for a year so um anyway talking about the pitching we've highlighted this a lot and i don't think you guys need us to continue doing this but we have to and we're going to you darvish is so good Brendan just I so Lovely so guy. good. I, I said earlier that he's you know he's probably running one two in some order right now with Sonny Gray for the favorite for the NL Cy Young. Um, he's got a NL leading five wins, an excellent start on Sunday, and I mean the, the the there's a weird thing that goes on when the Cubs play the Sox, and and you saw this in in, in some places. Um, the Sox are good guys, like they, they're pitching. You know, on the whole is coming together. But if you watch that lineup this weekend, and you think anything other than the White Sox are good, I don't know what you were watching. Um, and particularly like Luis Robert, I am very grateful he does not play in the National League, because that guy is insane. Um, but look at what you Darvish did in that game is my point, right? This was one of if not the hottest offenses in baseball, guys just killing mistakes. And you makes one mistake in this game, uh, to someone who's just been extraordinarily hot in Jose Abreu, but otherwise, you know, ten strikeouts on this group, uh, having some of those guys, Robert included, looking overmatched and, and chasing you know, bad pitches to them, but well-executed stuff from you. Just so, so good. He continues to rack up the strikeouts while limiting the walks. And I think it was Len in the broadcast today on Marquee when he did issue the only walk he did, you know, he was like, wow, that's a rarity from from Darvish. Like, you know, he walked somebody. And, you know, that's how it feels. And And it's just, it's such a joy to watch him pitch. Uh, every fifth day because he is just on one. And and this is everything that the Cubs wanted when they signed him and everything that they had envisioned, using that 11-pitch arsenal to just carve guys up and strike people out at, you know, league-high numbers. And just, it's it's amazing to watch. It's just an absolute joy.
1: I have nothing to add to you, Darvish, other than The obvious. I mean, the guy's getting whiffs. He had 26 whiffs against the White Sox on Sunday. That is an insane amount. He's one of, if not the best pitcher in the National League and Major League Baseball right now at this point. Theo described him, as we've always said, as the premier strikeout pitcher of our generation. He is. He is everything that we wanted when he was signed right now. And he's overcome so much adversity and nonsense from the media, including the Chicago media, looking at you over there at NBC. And he does it so humbly. You cannot, if you wanted to make a pitcher in a machine, you want to like computerize a, a pitcher, you can't even get as perfect as you Darvish. The guy is an outlier in every way from a pitch number standpoint to how his pitches move, to his complete attitude, his, his preparation, his humble intellectual curiosity what more do you want from a pitcher and the fact that he's on the Cubs so lucky that we get to witness this and he's 34 years old and he's coming into his own with the Cubs and right now if the season were to end today he'd be the Cy Young winner probably just given you know all the numbers we've seen from FIP to ERA the strikeouts to you want to put wins in there you can put wins in there everything he's in the top tier number one or top three So good for him. I cannot be more happy out of anyone on the team, not to compare everyone else, but he has gotten the most nonsense thrown at him over the last two years. He deserves this. I hope he's embracing this. I'm loving the energy. He had that one uh, strikeout in the seventh inning. You can tell he's so pumped up, so enthusiastic about it. And I cannot be more happy for you, Darvish.
0: One stat here uh, that I think illustrates this pretty well: since the All-Star break of 2019, you, Darvish has 162 strikeouts wow. and only 13 walks in 102 2 thirds, 118 that's wild. and two thirds. That's not Pitched. That is wild. Yeah. Uh, that's. I, I mean. I. That's. That's all it is. And you know, especially for the way that not only has he responded from the way his Cubs career started with the injuries uh, and the erratic, you know, walk totals and stuff like that, not only has he responded to that by just being really good and dominant, but he's done so in specifically, you know, sort of flipping the script on what that main issue was, right? Like, he, the 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 walk totals were crazy in some of those early starts, and, you know, then he was hurt and, and that whole thing, right? And the way he has responded is just like literally not walking anybody <laughs> and it's it's just absolutely amazing and it's amazing to watch and like you said it's it you know from from a personal standpoint just having been able to learn more about him as a person and uh you know his his off the field personality it's it's just uh really really awesome to see him succeed like this uh and it's it's i, I really at, at, at this point like you just know you're in for a good time when it's darvish day and, and he's on the mound it's 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 been uh, a real pleasure. So and also like just to to bring it all full circle and, and talk about the entire team for a moment. That's part of the reason where like you look at this offense and obviously once you get to the playoffs, you know if it's a three game series, five game series, seven game series, whatever it is, whoever it's against, you know you are hoping that you get the offense that doesn't look like they did for most of this weekend, right? You get a different version of this offense, but you feel pretty confident. Like especially like you can throw you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks and, you know, playoff John Lester or whoever else they end up deciding to use in a playoff series. Like that's why you you gotta step back from even a a rough weekend against the White Sox and the offense looking like a total mess and just say, like, look, like they you've got the talent if they can get hot in the lineup. And I know that at least in one of those games, right, it doesn't matter what team they're they're playing. Uh, they're going to have the better pitcher on the mound if we're talking, uh, you know, the National League playoffs. Like, they're able to throw you Darvish. That'll be the better pitcher on the mound that day. And that's what you got to focus on, Like, right? Like, this team is on a collision course to making the playoffs. And right now, they have the best pitcher in the National League. Like, y- y- you got to keep everything in, in, in context, right? Like, I think that's that's the, the main thing. But just before we get into this next series recap, just want to do a quick look at the bullpen because it's it's something that we've talked about a lot. Uh, not a lot of big notes in this one. Um, I would say that, you know, we've kind of talked about Uh, Underwood being one of those guys who's, you know, really on on thin ice, uh, did not have a good performance on Saturday, uh, struck out three in an inning, but also gave up two home runs, Uh, you know, so uh, if he has a role at this point, it's only in mop-up duty, and because he has the potential to go multiple innings, Uh, but I would not be particularly surprised if, you know, he's not long for this bullpen. It just just hasn't played. Uh, You know, we saw some good stuff for him in spring training and in the summer camp, but it just has not translated. He's just giving up too many home runs in in these outings. I mean, that's really what it is. He can't keep the ball in the ballpark. Um, But what I really wanted to talk about uh, was, you know, one, want to give props to Jeffress, came in and and got, uh, you know, a four-out save here. He's had some multiple inning work outings, uh, so far this year. And he's, he's really stepped up, uh, walked a couple guys, uh, but, you know, ultimately got the job done in a very high pressure spot on Sunday against a tough lineup and against a tough spot in that lineup. So want to, you know, continue to give him props for the job he's done. And then just wanted to touch on Kimbrell. Uh, obviously, you know, he walks too in this one, though I will say, uh, especially that last walk, that fastball was, Inches from being a perfectly placed pitch uh, on a three-two pitch to get the strikeout. Um, you know, again, we're—I would have started the episode by saying, "Hi, I'm Corey, and he's back." If I felt I had, you know, if it were time for me to be eating the crow, but I, I do think we're still seeing positive trends, and and the main thing is he's he's really able to locate the breaking ball. He, he's been throwing it for strikes. He's been getting whiffs. It's certainly not as wild and, you know, useless as it was in the in those first outings. And the fastball looks good. The, the velo is there. He looks like he has more of a feel for it. Um, I, I thought it was at least kind of interesting that they just didn't let him finish that eighth inning. I figure if you're going to do this in a two-to-one game, right? If you're, if you're going to trust him in that spot in the first place, uh, that 3-2 pitch uh, for the second walk was really, really close. Um, I was kind of surprised that they didn't just let him finish that because, uh, you know, it's not like he looked—it's not like he was getting hit or looked as erratic as he had, uh, but that's what they decided to do. Either way, it's all just to say— still positive trends, right? Like I'm not positive where I want to use him and, you know, what we need to see from him going forward to really like solidify how I feel about this, but he's clearly in a different place than he was in the beginning of the season. He's clearly even right now in a different place than he was last year. And David Ross said, you know, this was going to take some time. This was going to be a work in progress. And, you know, this was going to be something that they really had to commit to and, and take the time with. And at the very least, it's it's trending in a positive direction. And he's, he's had some really positive outings. So I think that that's something worth highlighting.
1: From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging to simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it's like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percursive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com. Slash Blue Wire, Kimbrel, I thought looked good like you Corey I was surprised David Ross took him out after that last walk, but at the same time we've been kind of calling for some urgency with these bullpen management so I don't hate the call and maybe David Ross and uh, the rest of the coaching staff saw something they just did not like went to Jeffress Jeffress closed it down so I I, I do give them credit for pulling the plug from something that could have gotten out of hand that we didn't expect so. That was good. I still think it's positive baby steps with Kimbrell. His curveball looked good. He got the whiffs. The velo continues to look better. So overall, I'm still pretty encouraged um, with him hopefully anchoring down that bullpen in the next few weeks. Okay, so let's preview this upcoming series against the Detroit Tigers. So the Cubs have a three-game set in Detroit starting Monday at 6.10 p.m. Central Time. We have Alk Mills. On the mound for the Cubs, Alk Mills on the year is 2-2 two and two with a 4.76 ERA. He'll be facing Detroit's Casey, I believe you pronounce his last name Mize or Mize. It's M-I-Z-E. You guys know how we are with some of these pronunciations. On the year, he is uh, with no record. He's 0-0 with a 6.23 ERA. On Tuesday, the Cubs have not announced a starting pitcher yet, so stay tuned to what David Ross says. Maybe that gets announced Sunday evening after we record, but stay tuned on Monday to get that Tuesday probable pitcher for the Cubs. Detroit, however, will be throwing Spencer Turnbull, who is 2-2 with a 3.65 ERA. That game, again, starts at 6.10 p.m. Central. And then to wrap up the three-game set, we have John Lester on the mound looking to rebound from that tough start against the White Sox. Lester on the year. Still 2-1. His ERA has ballooned a little bit to 5.06. He'll be facing uh, Detroit's Michael Fulmer, who is 0-0 with a 9.53 ERA. That game, like the other two, starts at 6.10 p.m. Central. So I think Lester is kind of the obvious pitcher to pay attention to. Some of his numbers still look good, despite the ERA not looking good the number i'm talking about is expected weighted on weighted on base average which is better than league average still getting a lot of weak contacts still commanding the ball exceptionally well just not getting the whiffs to go along with that so overall look for lesser to keep pounding the zone and hopefully maybe some of the whiffs will follow as well also keep in mind and stay tuned to chris bryan's injury announcements maybe they'll be monitoring him in the next week he is eligible to come off the il next weekend even though Right now, I just would not expect that, but monitor any news with KB in the next couple of days.
0: Yeah, I mean, pretty simple. I mean, the Tigers aren't a good team, and, you know, you just struggled with a hot White Sox team, uh, you know, and obviously aren't in their best stretch from, from where they started. I think we all knew they weren't going to play at an 80% win clip uh, the entire season uh, and you got to beat up on teams like this. So that's, that's pretty much where it is. I mean, obviously I would love more than anything in the world to see Javi get going. And, you know, I, I bet that double on Sunday had to feel really good. And, you know, just a couple games in a row where he's able to, you know, really get the barrel on the ball, uh, get that exit le- vilo up and, you know, just have some successful games, I think would, you know, really feel like the, the weight of the world lifted off him. So uh, hopefully that's what we get against Detroit here. Keep racking up those wins. And, you know, again, just to, to bring it all full circle, like they're in first place, their playoff odds are really good. And I think the goal in a screwy season like this is get in and try to mess around in the playoffs, let you Darvish, you know, see how far you can ride you Darvish and hope the offense gets hot. And that's pretty much uh, what it is. But I think that's all we have for you. Weird weekend, folks. Uh, I'm not a fan of the the Crosstown series. I really genuinely don't care uh, about the White Sox. If I didn't know White Sox fans that, you know, talk trash and stuff like that, I really truly would never pay them any mind because they don't really affect what the Cubs do. Uh, I really care only about the Cubs winning and losing and making the playoffs and all that. So this series doesn't do it for me. If it does for you, that is uh, all you. Uh, So I'm glad it's over. I just, I don't like playing the White Sox. I don't like how much of a thing it's made into. uh, And I'm glad to be moving on from, you know, such a narrative-laced situation. But it's a frustrating weekend. It's very frustrating to watch this offense when it is performing like this. There's there's no two ways about it, uh, but, you know, especially in a year with such a short season where financials for every team are in a very weird place, and, you know, obviously we're doing all of this amidst this pandemic that's still going on, this is the group that they're probably going to have. Like, I don't think there's going to be a Nicholas Castellanos-esque jolt to this lineup right like so this is this is the group they're going to have to figure it out some of these guys are going to have to get hot and and you know perform to the levels that we know they can uh but yes i i'm well aware that this was very very frustrating uh i try to now that i'm older watch the games without things that I can easily break within my reach. Uh, but this weekend, 15-year-old Corey would have broken a, a few remotes watching this series, uh, a few remotes or you know, maybe phones or something like that. But I try to be a little more, um, you know, less, a little less destructive now that I'm almost 30 years old, because that's just not really a good look to be a psychotic old man. But you know, I get it. It was very frustrating. So hopefully the series with the Tigers is not as frustrating, and, and we can continue racking up some wins here and, and pacing the NL Central. Uh, either way, Brendan and I will be back to break it down with you when it is over. We thank you guys for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast, and as always, we end by saying, Go Cubs! Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G.